Wow. Well, I'm so glad to see you today. And John, we're glad you made it. John Bartlett and his daughter, Sky, is here with us today. And we're so glad. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, after my brief message, we're going to have a baptismal service, and I think it's important for me to bring this particular message. You know, last week we started with kind of an introductory message to the book of Galatians, and if you were not here last Sunday, uh, I would encourage you to get online and go to our website and listen to last Sunday's message, okay, because it is kind of an introductory message to... uh, the whole book of Galatians and to all the study that we'll be doing in the next few weeks. Uh, but uh, the Apostle Paul had gone to these towns up in uh, uh, Turkey, what's modern day Turkey. He'd started some churches there preaching the gospel of the grace of God. And uh, what he found when he got there was people who were enslaved to sin, they were enslaved to superstition. They were enslaved to their own natural drives and desires, and uh, he wanted so much for them to be free. You know, God wants his children to be free, and he does not want us living in enslavement. He wants us to live in freedom, but that's kind of a tricky word, isn't it? If you ask most people today, what does it mean to be free? They will give you the wrong answer. (laughs) Most people will say, well, freedom means that I have the right to do whatever I want to do. That is the worst definition of freedom. As a matter of fact, that is the definition of slavery. Because what we want to do is not what God wants us to be free to do. Here's a, let me give you a definition of freedom. Freedom is not the right to do what I want to do but it is the joy and delight in doing exactly what God wants me to do. It's having the power to do what God wants me to do. And that's what Paul went to these Galatians. He told them, Jesus Christ, God's Son, came to this earth. He took your sin upon himself, your guilt upon himself. He died to make full payment and now he has risen from the dead and offers to you full, eternal life. And they say, well, what do we have to do? He said, you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you have to do. Well, don't we have to do this and do this and do that? And Don't we have to be religious? Don't we have to offer sacrifices? No. Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus has fulfilled all righteousness And all he asks of you is that you receive him, that you believe in him, and then he will be the Lord of your life. He will be your master. And you just follow him. You just just follow what he leads you to do. And uh, and they believed. And the Bible says that in, in Lystra and in Iconium and in Derby, all three of those towns, villages, People came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were celebrating, and Paul helped them celebrate. He said, you are now free. You are free from all that superstitious garbage. You're free from all of the the power of sin in your life. You are free to do what God wants you to do. 
You no longer are under the tyranny of sin. Now you are free in Christ. Well, after Paul left, some people came who were Jewish people, Judaizers they're called, and they came and began to say to these people, who told you that you were free in Christ? And they said, well, Paul did. Well, they said, well, Paul is not an apostle. Paul is nobody. Paul is a, he's a, a, a charlatan. He's a trickster. He's a phony. And he told you, you mean he didn't tell you that you've got to become religious? You've got to be circumcised, you men. You've got to follow all the Jewish food laws. You've got to become Jews in order to be a Christian. And you've got to follow all of the strict regulations of the Jewish law. Well, it confused those people. You can imagine how they were confused. with it. Well, well we, thought, we thought Paul was telling us the truth. And we had such joy, such freedom in knowing that now we are free in Christ. And, and you're telling me, no, that we've got to come back under all these legal demands. And they said, that's right. Well, when Paul heard what was happening there, that's when he wrote the book of Galatians. And in Galatians chapter 5, and I know we hadn't even got into chapter 1 yet, but in Galatians chapter 5, he says in verse 1, in verse 2, he says, I want you to stand free in the freedom. Christ has truly set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But I think the next verse, if I'm not mistaken, verse 2, he says, uh, I tell you, if you accept circumcision, that is, if you, if you bring yourself under the law, then you're obligated to keep the whole law. But Christ has set us free from sin, the guilt, the, the penalty of sin. He set us free from the control and power of sin. He has set us free from the demands of the law for righteousness sake. Now, here's a little bit of confusion that people have had over the years. When people hear about the grace of God, and I hear this real often, People say, well, then, if I'm not under law, that means that I can live any way I want to. If I want to drink, if I want to curse, if I want to practice immorality, if I want to look at pornography, I, if I want to do any of this stuff, then I guess I'm free as a Christian to do that. Ah, that is not right. As a matter of fact, your baptism, we're going to see John baptized here just in a few minutes, if I can preach a little faster. Uh, when he's baptized, you're going to see someone step into the water, and you're going to see it look like he dies. John, you're going to look dead up here for just a few seconds. And when he dies, I'm going to bury him. 
And I'll put him back under that water, and when the water closes over his face, it is a picture of somebody dying and being buried. But I'm not going to stop there. Amen? Because I'm going to pull him up out of that water, and I will get so excited. Every time I do it, I get excited because when I see that water falling away from his face and falling away from him, I'm saying he's been raised from the dead. He was dead and buried, and now he's raised to walk in a new kind of life. Now that baptism, when you see him baptized, I want you to just know that he is picturing for you something that happened for him and for you 2,000 years ago. When Jesus died and was buried, and praise God, he rose from the dead and is alive forevermore. Now because he lives, we live because we are in him. So uh, baptism is a picture of our being identified with Jesus, his death to our old way of life, his burial and our burial, and his resurrection and our resurrection to a new kind of life. And so in Romans chapter 6, and I'm going to read probably all of Romans chapter 6, make just a few comments along the way, and then we'll uh, baptize John. So Romans chapter 6, verse 1, Paul had to deal with this issue in his day because people were saying, well now, so once I've been saved, once I've been baptized, once I've received grace, then I can just keep on sinning, right? And so he, he uh, deals with that. Very clear. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. The King James says, God forbid. The Greek says, meganoita. Just wanted you to know I knew a little Greek. And, uh, but it is one of the strongest negatives anywhere in the Bible. It means Without a doubt, absolutely no, by no means. How can we who died to sin keep on living in sin? See, see the sense here? We are free in Christ to live for Christ. I couldn't do that before I was born again. I couldn't live a righteous life. In fact, if I tried to do righteous things before I got saved, it was all just uh, just show. And the way God looked at my righteousness, the Bible says that my righteousness in God's holy eyes was like filthy rags, Amen. dirty, filthy rags. And what God wants to see in our life is pure righteousness. How do we get pure righteousness? We have to receive it from Jesus, from Jesus. When I talked to the children here a few years ago, to three or four years ago in vacation Bible school, I had a, a golden coat. 
and I had a white coat, and I had an old dirty coat. And I said, the only people who can actually stand in God's holy presence are people who have on the golden coat. And when God created Adam and Eve, he did not give them a golden coat. He gave them a white coat, a coat of innocence. They did not have any sin on them, but they also did not have perfect righteousness on them. And so he put in the garden the tree of life. And if they would eat of that tree, that was the eternal life. That was the righteousness of God. They could have had a golden coat. But they didn't eat of that tree. They ate of the tree of sin, the tree of the uh, determination to decide for themselves what was right and wrong. And when they ate of that tree, they lost their white coat and they put on a dirty coat, a coat of unrighteousness, a coat of sin. And every person born into Adam's family by the natural birth process has been born with a dirty coat on. That's what I wore. That's what you wore. And then Jesus came. And he came with a golden coat. He's the perfect eternal son of God. But he said... Give me your dirty coat. Because all who wear that dirty coat, they deserve to die. Amen. So he said, give me your dirty, filthy coat. And Jesus put it on. The Bible says that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. And he put on my dirty coat. And then he was crucified because the wages of sin is death. But he had no sin. He was dying for my sin. And then he rose from the dead. And now he says to me. I want to give you my coat. I've taken away your dirty coat. And I want to give you my coat. What is his coat? His is the golden coat. Not the white coat. If he gave me the white coat. I could still mess it up. He gave me the golden coat of his perfect righteousness. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, folks, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the way John, who's being baptized in a few minutes, he now has on the golden coat coat you say well but does that mean now that he won't ever sin I wish it meant that I wish it meant that it doesn't mean that but it does mean that in God's eyes God will always see those who are in Christ he will always see the perfect righteousness of Christ on us but then we say, well, 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 what do we do then about sin? Well, let's go on with Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that 
all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See, when I come to Christ, and my baptism pictures that, I identify with the death of Jesus for my sin, but I identify with the resurrection of Jesus for my power over sin in my life. So I'm to walk in newness of life. That is, in a new kind of life. Let's go on with verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Do you know that before you were saved, you were a slave to sin. You were a slave to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Well, that's a marvelous verse. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And that's because he lives actually in us. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. In fact, nothing has dominion over him because he rose from the dead. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives unto God, and he's living today. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign, rule, have control in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. So we say to all of us, John, who will be baptized, we're saying, he's saying, when you're baptized, this is a way of saying sin no longer has dominion over me. Because I died to that old way of life. So do not present your members, that is your hands and your eyes and your ears, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members... Hands, eyes, ears to God as instruments for righteousness. There was a time when I used my mouth for unrighteousness. I used my eyes for sinful things. I used my ears to listen to those things that were ungodly. But I died to all that. And now I present my hands and my ears, my eyes, my members as 
servants to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will no will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Listen, sin used to be my master. But praise God, I died to that master. And I've been raised to a new master. So sin no longer has any authority over me. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? Meganoita. (laughs) By no means. God forbid. How ridiculous to even ask such a silly question. Do you not know? That if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey. Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have now become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. Did you know that every person has a master? Before I was saved, sin was my master. But now, Jesus is my master. I want, but everybody has a master. Everybody has a master. But those who have trusted in Christ have called him what? Lord. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That word Lord means master. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitation. I'm using a human illustration. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness... So now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness or to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. (laughs) When I was lost, before I was saved, I was a, a slave of sin and I had nothing to do with Jesus. Oh, I knew about him. I could use his name, sometimes even used it in vain. But he wasn't my master. For when you, but now, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you're now ashamed? And I'm certainly ashamed of some of those things. For the end of those things is death. The way I was living before I was saved, just led from one sin to another sin to another sin and ultimately would have led to death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification or purity or holiness and the end is eternal life for The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the question. I close with this. Do you want to be free? 
You know, everybody in America said, well, this is the land of the free. Well, I tell you, there are more slaves living in America right now than ever at any time. You say, well, I thought we had done away with slavery. I'm not talking about racial slavery. I'm talking about sin slavery. And I'm telling you, there are people all around us who are slaves to sin. They are serving sin. They are giving their hands and eyes and ears and feet and mouth as slaves to sin. And Jesus said, I have come to set you free. And he whom the Son sets free is really free. Really free. Oh, it's one thing to live in servitude to some person, but you can be free. There are men I know who are in prison right now who are free because they've trusted Jesus. A friend of mine said he was preaching at a prison just last weekend at 12 inmates who trusted Jesus that one time. And I could say to them right now, brother, you're free. You're not free to leave this prison, but you are free to live for Jesus in this prison. And what it takes is a humble heart willing to say, I trust in Jesus. I close with a story. There was a, back during the times of slavery, there was a, a slave, an African slave, who was a vibrant believer in Jesus. And he was owned by a cruel master in a plantation in the south. And yet this cruel master began to be impressed with the joy that he saw in this slave's life. He was always singing, always kind, always joyful. And he said to him one day, how is it that here I am the master and I own all this land and property and house and I own you, but I have no joy at all. And I look at you, you have nothing. And you're always singing and joyful. How is that possible? He said, oh, master, it's because I have Jesus in my heart. And I'm freer than you are. And the master said, well, what do I have to do to have that kind of joy? And the slaves thought for a minute. He said, well, master, you see that pig pen over there? With that big old wallowing pit in there where the hogs get in and roll in that mud? He said, you need to climb over that fence Get down on your knees in that hog wallow and ask Jesus to save you. And the master said, that's crazy. You think I'm going to ruin my clothes, and humble myself, get down and huh, forget it. About a week later, that master, just his heart just kept convicting him, the Spirit of God convicting him. And one morning as the servant went out to slop the hogs he saw that master climbing over the fence tears running down his face and he said master master what are you doing he said I'm getting in that hog wall there 
And I'm going to kneel down in that mud and mire and I'm going to ask Jesus to save me. And the slave said, Master, you don't have to do that. You can ask him to save you right now. You just had to be willing to do that. You just had to be willing to say, whatever I need to do to believe in Jesus, I'll do it. And I'm telling you, Jesus says to us, that if we will put our trust in him, be willing to lay our pride aside, be willing to get into the mire of the pig pen and call out to him, he'll save us. And friend, I'm telling you, as long as you have that pride, arrogant attitude, you'll never come to Jesus. But when you say, I love him more than my sin and I trust him and him only he will save you he will save you let's pray heavenly father I ask you now in the name of Jesus to help every one of us to lay our pride in the dirt and to come to Jesus and call upon him believe on the Lord Jesus Christ And be set free. But not use our freedom for sin. But use our freedom for service to the one who saved us. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website www.bearcreekbaptist.org If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.